everyone's on vacation here on the Owls America cast, Sheffield Wednesday opinion with an American accent. I didn't expect to be seeing you all or talking to you all for oh, maybe a couple more weeks for a nice sedate season preview, going over the preseason, talking about the new kits. And we will do both of those on this episode. But there's the small man, uh, the small matter of Sheffield Wednesday no longer having a manager. So we sent out a clarion call far and wide across the country to get our intrepid crew back, back together. I am your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. I am back from four or five days in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia, uh, lovely Cleveland, Ohio, before that for the Major League Baseball All-Star Weekend festivities. And I am drinking, I'm currently at my parents' house where we stopped over uh, on our way back. Also, my card get some work done while I was out of town. And I have the remnants of a little bit of Hudson baby bourbon, ginger beer, and a squeeze of lemon. I'm sort of easing the end of my vacation. Uh, actually on his vacation, but somehow uh, joining us in the woods somewhere. It looks like a, a very lovely rustic log cabin is Evan Skelter. Evan, where actually are you and what are you drinking? Well, Jeff, I'm drinking a Miller Lite, America's finest pilsner, high atop the Smoky Mountains outside of Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, after a day of sampling moonshine and whiskey and a variety of other spirits and beer to wash down the sour and bitter taste of treacherous disloyalty from our pompous, perfidious, and pretentious former manager. I'm excited for this podcast. For I'm glad someone takes some notes our grievances. before uh, we started. Also with us in his closet, and I assume New York, or it could be like a hotel room in Bulgaria, for all I know, is James Allen. James, what are you drinking? I was in the uh, the hotel in Austria on Sunday, actually, Jeff. I'm back in New York <laughs> now, but thanks for, thanks for checking. Um, yeah, picking up on Evan's theme, I thought there was only one possible beer to drink tonight, so I've gone straight for the Sour Shelf, and I've got a, um, I've got a palette pigment, a raspberry, key lime, uh, raspberry and key lime sour basically. So tried to get something as acidic and as bitter and as sour as possible to, uh, to pick up on the thematic of what we're going to talk about this evening. Speaking of bitter somewhere in New Jersey, it's Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? Hey guys, happy summer. Uh, I am, uh, as it's summer, I'm drinking a margarita and it's heavy on tequila. Um, not so heavy on the actual mix, but hey, it's good. So, Patty, going straight for the top shelf liquor. Wednesday have uh, managed to rid themselves of a bottom shelf manager, it seems. <laughs> so, yes, that is the uh, that is depressing news, the breaking news. Not really breaking news. It's been a slow break, like a car crash, over the last week or so, really, since Wednesday. Has returned to Portugal. But today, earlier this morning, Greenwich Mean Time. Newcastle United introduced Steve Bruce, uh, who you might know as, up until last week, Sheffield Wednesday's manager, as their own manager. Bruce and his squad of assistants resigned earlier this week. And we'll go back over the entire timeline, how we got here. But, uh, gentlemen, first some opening thoughts from any of you. Well, I think... Let's go through the timeline, right, and our thoughts as we, uh, as it unfolded. Let's say, okay, because I think that's so Wednesday. Wednesday are in a Wednesday are in sunny Algarve somewhere, um, and of course, news comes down that Steve Bruce is a potential candidate for the Newcastle job, among others. Uh, Claudio Ranieri's name came up around this too. So did Sam Allardyce, who has said that he specifically turned them down, all because. Mike Ashley would not promise Champions League winning manager Rafa Benitez enough funds to uh, progress the squad, as it were. Of course, Mike Ashley, it wouldn't be a transfer window without Mike Ashley having a takeover rumor from some. I think this was a chic of some sort this time around that once uh, the transfer window was looking to close and he needed to find a new manager. No, no, he's definitely staying on at Newcastle United. 
Lucy pulling the football away from a bunch of Geordies once again. But Bruce himself being a Geordie uh, and a Newcastle supporter as a kid would have been a logical source for short bookie odds and ITK account rumors. But I think at this point, Wednesday on preseason, under a soft embargo, but also signing players somehow, we'll get to the financial machinations later in the show. It didn't seem really like it was going to happen, James. You're being a little bit generous, actually, Jeff, to say that um, the start of this timeline was when Wednesday we were in Portugal. So by my, my reckoning, that was about two weeks ago, right? I think Benitez went at the back, back end of June, maybe a little bit earlier than that when his contract ran out. So as early as when we were having owls in the park and you know, Bruce and the squad were coming back in for pre-season training before they even went to Portugal, that was when his name was first being circulated. But exactly as you said, it just seemed like you know a logical inclusion of a name on a list. Um, he laughed it off. We laughed it off. Um, we'll come back to what was actually going on in a few minutes. But, but you know that, that was kind of the first rising of, of even the suggestion, the mooting there might be anything in it. The fact that he then departed with the squad to Portugal and, and put in what looked like a really good week and a half of um, considered training. You know, we had uh, Tony Strudwick on board as well, our, uh, our new fitness coach, and, uh, and things seemed to be going really, really well. There was, uh, there was no real cause for alarm from my perspective at that point. I mean, I, mean, I think the Algarve, and especially the last days when things started to get more traction, when there was more things in the press around Bruce wanting to talk with Newcastle. I think that's when I think that's when it ramped up. Rather than just being a list on a manager's bookies odd stuff, it ramped up to say, oh, Bruce is Bruce wants the job. Bruce wants the job and Newcastle wants to talk to him or vice versa. And even at that stage, again, it was mainly ITK accounts that were saying this. Even at that last stage, it was the last day of our Portugal camp. Uh because everyone was pressing Dom to get like a quote from Steve Bruce while he was out there, um, and it didn't happen. I, I don't think so at the time. Most of us were pretty bullion about the chances of him staying and not joining Lucas United at that point in time. Yeah, and for good reason because he um, the the quote that we actually got from Bruce. I think we, it was the the evening we beat Shrewsbury two nil for our uh, our first kind of uh, run out of pre season. You know, he basically laughed it off and said, look, you know, this is the first I'm hearing of it. Um, you know, it's just my name being linked. I'm looking forward to getting home. We've had a great two weeks. He, I think his, his most excited uh, observation was that he was going to get to walk his dog when he got back to uh, to the UK, right? Um, so, yeah, exactly. Again, you know, so now we're two for two. We're like, first of all, we've had his name mooted and nothing really came of it. Second of all, his name's been pulled up in the betting odds, but he's laughed it off and said, you know, he's uh, he's having a great preseason with Sheffield Wednesday and uh, and saying all the right things. And look, we're, you know, the further we get into this timeline, I mean, everybody knows the conclusion, so so that's not going to play too coy. This is, at this point, Wednesday fans listening to a man who they've come to trust and to, to listen to the words when he seems to be saying the right thing, which is exactly what we said when he walked into Hillsborough all of six months ago. Um, so he was playing us uh, playing us for a fiddle at this point. But uh, but again, we all seem calm. One Wednesday fan was particularly insistent that Bruce wasn't going anywhere. For as long as we've known Bruce, he's come across as an honest man with integrity. I can't see him ditching us at this point. That is uh, Patty, hashtag SWFC on the at Owls America's account. Patty? <laughs> uh, don't know the guy. To be fair, I wrote that and I thought as I was writing it, I was like, I believe this, but I was setting him up if he went, if he then ditched us at that point, my thinking was, he's none of those things I've just said. He's he's basically proven what I've said completely wrong, and it makes him look, in my eyes, the total opposite. But at that point, in my mind, it was so far from actually happening that I thought, oh, if he does, if the if the minute chance that it does actually happen, he's going to look right to act, and that's what ended up happening. But at that point in my mind, I was like, oh, he's going to stay. He's been honest with us the entire time. Why were we even thinking about this? I was confident. I was naively confident in the honesty and integrity of Steve Bruce, um, which if you look back on my, the Owls America's timeline, you'll you'll see I've now basically 
retweeted that as a kind of that didn't age very well kind of thing <laughs> but it, it was I wrote it in that context thinking that okay if he does ditch us it's, it's because he's a twat it's because he has none, it's because he's none of these qualities that uh, we've um, that I've spelt out here if he does leave then he has no integrity he's been lying to us he's got no loyalty and he's betrayed us all and that's what turned out to be the truth in the end I can't believe I'm rushing to your defence, Paddy, but, you know, despite the fact that that was a pretty historically dreadful prediction on your part, um, <laughs> you weren't alone, right? Because, you know, let's let's keep pace. So we come back to the UK, things start to really heat up. Apparently Newcastle are serious. They're maybe, maybe going to make an approach, but nothing seems to be happening formally. There's no official approach. So all of a sudden, you know, Bruce goes in for discussions with Chancery. The next thing we know, the ITK accounts are saying that he's on his way up to Newcastle to uh, to meet with Mike Ashley. That he's, um, you know, he's actually having dialogue with Newcastle, even though there's not been a formal approach. So we go through 24 hours of rampant speculation. At the end of all that, he comes back in and takes training. It doesn't seem like there's anything happening. There's rumours of compensation, but the clubs are a long way apart. And then this past weekend, we played Lincoln uh, Lincoln City in a friendly, right? And he he's in the dugout. He's in the Wednesday garb, and you know, the best part of however many thousand or hundreds of travelling fans are all singing Steve Bruce's at Barmy Army. So even after things start to get really serious and looks like maybe there is something happening that clubs are discussing compensation, you know, the fans are still with him at this point. So uh, so you weren't alone, Paddy. Um, but it was really the end of the Lincoln match, right? After we've uh, after we've won the game, when finally we get him on um, on audio, and I think it's Adam Oxley from Radio Sheffield that interviews him. This is where the penny drops, right? So... Um, Jeff, you've uh, you've heard the audio of that interview whenever it was late on Saturday night. Um, what was your reaction? So, there's a few different ways you can handle that question. You know you're going to get the question. It's the question that's on everyone's mind. You know it's actually happening. It's probably the reporters in the room know it's actually happening, but can't actually report it for whatever reason. It just comes off as, look, I get. I, I'm this. This will be this will be my moment where I will be briefly sympathetic to Steve Bruce before we probably spend the rest of the show slagging him off. Uh, he grew up a Newcastle United fan. It's a Premier League job. Um, it's probably more money if Ashley sacks him in three months, which is probably what's going to end up happening because it's still Newcastle. Um, I'm sure his payout there will be more than whatever he was getting on the one-year rolling deal or whatever he had in. Uh, in Hillsborough. It's a, it's a job. You know, it's like anything else. He's a journeyman, sort of championship, lower Premier League level manager. He's bounced around. You know, if, if we bring in Chris Hewton, you know, that's a guy with, you know, loyalty doesn't extend as far both ways, I think, as we think between clubs and players and clubs and managers. Um, now, all that said, like, Buddy, read the room. Like you, you've got to come up with something better than that. Like you can say, you know, uh, you know, Newcastle. You know, be honest. Newcastle's approached me. We've had dialogue. Um, I, I guess to his credit, he didn't lie and say, like, oh, I'm, I'm, chef. You know, I'm Sheffield Wednesday's manager, and I'll continue to be Sheffield Wednesday's manager as long as they'll have me, or something like that. He didn't give like a fake. What we would, you know, what we call sort of in the American sports realm, like vote of confidence for his job, but it's just—I mean, at that moment, you kind of knew it was just over, that he was going to be Newcastle manager at some point, um, whether it was as quickly as it happened or more long, long drawn out, which I guess we're technically still in uh, compensation discussion, but it just—I'm—I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not naive. I'm probably even borderline cynical about these kind of things. But it, it did bother me after the club made as many sort of, I don't want to say concessions, but tried to make his transition into managing as, as easy as possible, um, you know, coming off the back of the Villa job and, and the death of his parents. And, you know, you want your club to act like that. Like, I don't think the going forward, Chancery should regret doing that or the club should regret doing that. Like you, that, that is, it's sort of like, you know, like Kant's universal law. You should act in such a way that like every club should do that. Every club should extend that kind of, you know, respect and, and 
I remember there was a big thing where Stuart Gray took a game off to go to his, his son's or his daughter's wedding a few years back. And that was like a thing on Twitter being like, well, he's being paid to do a job. Like, yeah, whatever. We were like in 13th place and not going anywhere. It was April or, you know, it's, it's fine. Like, you know, I think obviously it's a team that has ambitions, but we're, we still should strive to be sort of that kind of community club model. And yeah, sometimes that will get taken advantage of, but I think it's a, it's a noble goal in and of itself. Jeff, the voice of reason. Um, Don't worry, I'll get to slagging off Steve Bruce in a minute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was I was similar to you. I was back and forth. At first, when his name came up, I, I my first reaction was, yeah, I won't be surprised. I mean, he's a, a British manager. And at the time, I, to be honest, I didn't even know he was from Newcastle, but um, found that out shortly after. And it, just like you said, Jeff, at first, it's like, yeah, he, he might go. Obviously, that wouldn't be good for the club, but just like you said, it's a premier league squad. It's, uh, it'll be more money. Uh, it's just a more attractive job overall. And then my mind shifted to, well, wait a second, look at all the things we did do for him. Um, you know, we, we let him take a month off, let his, his, you know, two assistants come in and kind of take over for, uh, for Bowen and gave him, gave him time and, um, let him, you know, purchase some players and I don't even remember it back that far now to uh, what the financial, I know the financial state wasn't great, but um, there's obviously some, uh, some tough times at the club and we, we gave him the reins to help us maneuver out of it or, or at least maneuver around it. And so, yeah, my mind went to, well, he's not going to leave now. I mean, after all that, there's no way. And uh, now that he has, obviously from the introduction, you heard, um, and the irritation for me, but um, it's, I guess it shouldn't be surprising. You know, what is this? His 10th club. He's resigned from three or four other ones. Uh, it's just, it's surely disappointing. And it, it really speaks to, to his character. I got, I'm going to pick up on the whole kind of boyhood club, club thing, because it's something I banded around quite a lot on Twitter as a kind of excuse for his behavior. Um, the fact that he can just do away with any kind of loyalty and uh, <laughs> morals. If it's your boyhood club, you can drop everything and go to it. And that, that's, that's what's expected. It's like almost like a, oh, everyone would do this if it's the boyhood club. And I put on Twitter too, I, I don't necessarily believe this. I might be in a minority. I think I was looking at the responses that I got from my tweet. But essentially, if I spend six months in a job, uh, I've built staff around me, um, the, my boss uh, let me have a month off at the beginning of my, my, my job uh, because of uh, family emotional reasons. Uh, I was very understanding about that. And then I'd bonded with a team of 30, 30 people, players in this instance. I'd trained them every day. Um, and I was still at the beginning of the journey, whereas... It's an opportunity for me where everyone around me likes me. They love what I'm doing. I'm appreciated. I'm admired. And then my boyhood club goes to me. Hey, Patrick. Uh, come and join us in this shit show of a club we're at right now. It's on fire. Uh, we need your help. I don't think I would jump. I, I, I seriously don't. And it's, Obviously, this is a hypothetical situation. I'm trying to put it into my own mind here. And thinking like my fav- if my best if the, my dream job comes up uh, after I just moved into a new job and I spent six months building it up and building up the staff, building loyalty and building some kind of love, I don't think I jump. It's like it's not a boyhood club thing. And people were like slagging me off a bit on Twitter saying, "Well, you don't obviously get it. You don't obviously love the club." No, I just have some kind of loyalty to the people and the, the work that I've put into what I've done over the last six months to say I'm not going to jump ship at the first opportunity. And that's what he's done. He's, he's jumped ship at the first opportunity. And if you believe some people in the in Twitter, he courted it in the first place. He, he went after it. He wasn't offered it. He actively pursued it. And I think that's... Um, I mean, look, we've, we've kind of worked through the litany of, of events, right? And it was those comments on, on Saturday that made clear that he wanted to go. 
despite the fact that things weren't above board, that there wasn't an official approach. And it all you know, came to a head with the resignations on Monday that forced the issue and, and still has pending legal action. But I guess kind of to your wider point, Paddy, it, <clears throat> even if you give him the benefit of the doubt, despite what you're saying in terms of it being a, a lifetime ambition to manage Newcastle United, even if you can kind of give it, give give the generosity of spirit to say that that's the case. The way that he went about it is unacceptable because at the point where he, you know, he speaks to the fans through interviews uh, when he's in Portugal, the point when he, you know, he, he comes into the dugout and, and it, you know, takes the applause on, on Saturday. He's giving the impression that he still cares about Sheffield Wednesday. And what is self-evident to all of this process is he didn't give a shit about Sheffield Wednesday. He gave a shit about Steve Bruce. And so I, I can't give the generosity of spirit about whether or not it was a, you know, a club we always wanted to manage because he didn't go about managing it, getting that opportunity in a way that was above board and was respectful to the, the employer that he was with. You know, he didn't fess up and say transparently, I want this opportunity. It's the right opportunity for me. It's a Premier League gig. I know maybe people don't understand, but please respect me. I want to go. Um, he didn't say thank you for what had been done. He he did everything behind closed doors. He didn't, you know, allow Newcastle to, uh, or he didn't force Newcastle to make an official approach. He enabled them to to do things that have put Wednesday in a, a perilous position with only two weeks before the start of the season. And that is, you know, that the only way you can look at that is to assess his character and say that he comes up flawed. And then if you take your final point, which is that, you know, at least there is reasonable evidence that this was going on right from the outset and the you know one of the most telling things is an article that alan Shearer has written uh this evening in the uk where he talks about a conversation he had with bruce three weeks ago to say don't go to newcastle three weeks ago is before we went to portugal which is tantamount to accepting that bruce well it's not even accepting it's declaring that bruce was talking about the newcastle job way 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 back right at the point where benitez left and that you know, that tells you everything you need to know. You know, he wasn't committed to staying at Sheffield Wednesday. He was giving us front and he's uh, he's forced the issue. And I, I can't forgive that. And I think, um, you know, it's not even that he was only here six months. You know, if you're here six years and you leave a job two weeks before the season starts after you've already, you know, made player moves, been running training, and it's... It's a terrible situation for Wednesday to be in, and I know some of this is the particulars of the exact particulars of Newcastle being a mess this time, um, and sort of the nature of, of Benitez's contract. You know, they were going to have to. There, there were plenty of managers they could have gotten that weren't currently, you know, literally in training with the squad and preparing for the season. Uh, you know, they could have picked uh, any number of of highly qualified Premier League managers, and I think. The fact that they had to, you know, go and go for Steve Bruce says something that, about just how desirable that job is, um, you know, for managers that can sort of pick their next job. Yeah, well, I mean, the fact that a, a Newcastle legend like Alan Shearer is warning him off, and you know, plenty of other players have, have said, said the same thing, um, tells you everything you need to know about the the caliber of that administration now, there was another comment in the um the article this evening which kind of alluded to the fact that you know maybe bruce wasn't completely happy with the hierarchy at wednesday that he was frustrated by you know our chairman's unwillingness to accept lower valuations than he considers reasonable for sale of, of some players well you know maybe had some causality there it still doesn't excuse the fact that he went behind the club's back it doesn't excuse the fact that he enabled and facilitated a process which you know, is underhand at best by Newcastle to try and force the issue. And irrespective of whether they ultimately came forward with compensation, you know, and the, the claim is that they've made an offer that Wednesday, you know, may perhaps accepted for Bruce, but there's still legal issues related to Clements and, and Agnew. You know, he's the, he's the causal factor here. You know, the, there's no excusing the individual at the centre of this all who, um, who just, you know, frankly has screwed over one employer for the pursuit of his own personal gain. You know what riles me more than anything is... That he's so we mentioned the fact that he's had two opportunities now to address uh, the fans and the obvious anger we're going to feel towards him. So the first was in that post-match conversation the weekend where he had the opportunity to address the rumours and put them to bed, and he didn't. 
and we don't now because on Monday he resigned. That's because obviously he wanted the job, and we knew he was going for the job. And then in there must have been a brief kind of uh, press uh, speech at least this morning when he was announced as the Newcastle boss, and the press I saw it was just a very small sentence which said, "I've always wanted to manage Newcastle. Uh, it was my boyhood club. It was my father's boyhood club." Um, so I just can't wait to roll my sleeves up and start. He does. He's not even mentioned what he's done at Wednesday. He's not even mentioned the Wednesday fans that thanked us for the backing. He's, not, he's just ignoring it. He's just. He just. He knows he's fucked up. He knows he's um, left us in, in the in the shit, and he doesn't give a shit. And that's what's frustrating me. And I don't think it's. He can definitely say something about the fans. I know there's legal reasons why he couldn't say about the hierarchy or working at Wednesday. But he could definitely acknowledge the fact that we backed him for the last six months, and he's not doing. He just doesn't give a shit. He's, he's, he's honestly, he's made my blood boil the last few days. Um, and to go, I want to erase all our podcasts from the last like three months of, the, of last season because we were singing his praises for so long about how he's changed the attitude, he's changed the team, he's changed uh, the general feel of the club, and he's built something, and. I genuinely want to just delete every single bit of praise I've given Steve Bruce over the last few months because he's such a snake and such oh, a Judas. I just I just can't think of the words that sum up how much I dislike this guy at the moment. Well, regardless, it is literally two two ish weeks until Wednesday's opener away to Reading. Uh, so who's going to be the manager? <laughs> What's the latest bookies? Let's look at the bookie list. Let's get the bookies, the bookie list. All right, let's see. Wednesday, let's get the... It turned out the bookies list was fairly accurate in terms of the chain of events that we've uh, we've had to respond to, so perhaps we should take this a little bit more seriously than we did two weeks ago, right? <laughs> yeah, the bookies got it right. Bastards. This is from easyodds.com. Let's see. I think Next Zola, permanent Zola was winning. Sheffield Zola was winning as I checked, which is a bizarre. Is really, thing. Zola? Yeah. Zola's How is he even getting linked? So is he just like his agent, just talking to anyone he can? See, when we were being cynical um, a week and a half ago about Bruce's odds, we were like, "Oh, it's just because people are betting money on it, and people, well, as soon as people put money on it, everyone puts money on it, and because Sky." Because Sky Sports reporting it and Sky Sports and Sky Bet, they're just trying to make money out of it. And then obviously it turns out to be true. So um, now I'm obviously going to trust everything that's in the bookies list. So apparently Gianfranco Zola is our new manager. <laughs> Let's be honest, Gianfranco Zola cannot be our new manager because it would be an absolute fucking disaster. Um, I mean, look, you, you can't appoint a man based on the pedigree of his playing when he's just got no pedigree as a manager. I mean, that would just be absurd. Um, I mean, while Jeff is uh, is finding us the top ten rundown and the uh, an appropriate theme tune to play it to, the you know the point you made, Paddy, about a raise in the last six months, I think it's interesting when you when you look at it. We used to have this phrase when we played against Bruce, right? And we'd talk about the fact that you know more often than not, and it happened at Wembley in two thousand sixteen, we got bruised. You know, he kind of he's a pretty canny manager, and he he found a way to kind of outsmart us in most occasions, right? We we didn't know what we were saying back then, but we really have been bruised the last six months. You know, the fact that we were so impressed with the way he came in, you know, we I, I used the phrase he's the it's the adult in the room all of a sudden, you know, back in uh, in February when he uh, when he came in and was revealed at, at Hillsborough. He he does an amazing job of playing okay, playing so. fans, playing the media, you know, he's he's a he's a very smart operator in terms of kind of the calm he projects. Um, so I don't think we should be too, you know, despondent about the fact that we were taken gullibly by that. He's he's got form. We just didn't see it, and we, you know, we really wanted to believe in him. Um, the other thing is, you know, he probably did some good in the six months he was there. And I'd love to think that, you know, if we have a half decent season in the season to come, then you know maybe we might even be able to find some credit for him and you know the steps that he took with recovering the absolute disaster that was the. Uh, 
the rain under Joss, but you, you can't see it right now because of the personal behaviour. And, you know, it's it's like any abusive relationship, right? When someone has done something fundamentally wrong, it's impossible to see past that, to see the good times that might have gone before it. So in addition to uh, Lee Bowen, who's currently at 10 to 1, it's, the, it's a who's who of mildly successful former championship managers. We have uh, Gary Rowett, uh, Chris Hewton, who may or may not have already turned the job down, Nigel Pearson, Gary Monk, Martin Joel, Tony Poulos, Ator Karanka, Nigel Atkins, etc. So you, you like some? Let's look for some fun long, some fun, uh, from some fun long odds candidates. Uh, Roy Keane at thirty-three to one. Uh, Craig Shakespeare at thirty-three to one. Uh, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank also at thirty-three to one. Uh, Martin O'Neill at forty to one. I will quit watching the team. I don't understand. Where's Martin Joel come from in these odd lists? Because he's like he, like he's always in sort of the championship merry-go-round. So he's not managed a championship team oh, before. Here's it? here's a here's a here's a good one. Fifty to one. Uh, Gabriel Batistuta. <laughs> Batigol. <laughs> I love Batigol to be uh, manager Wednesday. Some other fun uh, fifty to ones. Uh, Tim Sherwood, Gary Megson. Is that Michael Carrick? I think that's supposed to be Michael Carrick. <laughs> uh, Paulo DeCanio. Wait, have you mentioned Moyes yet? Bill Neville. Neville. I haven't seen Moyes. Uh, Carlos is fifty to one to come back, which is actually something I could see. I want to stick it. sausages in my eyes. Honestly, every <laughs> single name that you've uh, you've read out there, Jeff. It w- I. You just you can't see past the fact that you know what we got with with Bruce was we got experience, we got a proven track record, and we got a club builder, right? Someone who can build infrastructure. And we were starting to see the seeds of of some of that. You know, a lot of it's been uh, trampled on in the last couple of weeks. You can't see any of that in any of the names that you've just given. You know, all all those names are, are kind of they're the worst side of journeymen. They're kind of they're nearly men. They're not they're not proven winners right they're not people who've got teams out of the championship in the most part they're faded you know uh ex-premier league managers or kind of you know also rans nearly made it or just downright drudgery boring you know championship managers we've got to do better than that this club deserves better than that and in the absence of a really good candidate if if hooten isn't interested and he's the exception on that list then you know the, the club should try and provide some stability around Bullen and, and, and take its time. I know the instinct is to try and solve it fast, it just but feels like, we shouldn't rush the job. I mean, it just feels like this is... I'm not morally opposed to giving Bullen a longer run with the job. There's not really a scenario where, you know, a, an assistant coach at that level for whatever number of years, you expect them to go down to, you know, maybe League One, manage for a little bit there and get their actual sort of first team management experience at a lower level. But, you know, Poland's not going to do that. He's not going to leave the greater S6 area, really. So I guess, you know, given this the scenario, it just feels like, you know, I think there's probably some, you know, a certain level of unearned confidence that comes with the new season, but also a certain level of earned confidence with what we know this squad can do and with sort of the uh, solidification of the management structure with Bruce and his assistants. So until there was a real system in place, you know, it was promotion to form at the end of the season under him, really the second half of the season. So you, there was like, you know, good vibes. And it just feels like they need to get someone in to continue that or else it's going to be a, another sort of lost season for Wednesday. I mean, you want to talk about a. You want to talk about a club builder? Phil Neville is the club builder, isn't he? <laughs> he took he took a team. He he has taken taken Salford from from the eighth division all the way into the football league. I mean, Wait. I know he wasn't necessarily the manager the whole time, but the guy knows how to build a club, and he almost dismantled the United States women's national team. So I think if we're talking about club builders with a high high pedigree of football managerial prowess you've got to consider phil neville where having watched a fair amount of the women's world cup all i could imagine with him in like the 
it was just like the whole dress and his inability to actually make substitutions. It just seemed like dollar store. Uh, Southgate. Yeah, dollar store gear at Southgate. Yes. I don't. I don't understand that. I, I for the first time, listeners, we're we're on a video camera for Skype, so we can see everyone's faces. I ca- Evans is the only face I can't see, and I can't tell if he's being serious or joking with the last Phil Neville recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, sorry. Um, he dresses nicely. He doesn't dress. He, he, he dresses like a poor man's Gareth Southgate. Is that the bow you know? we've got? Just dresses South, nicely. Southgate used to, wears a nice uh, waistcoat when he's managing from the sidelines. Phil Neville looks like a stressed version of a Gareth Southgate impersonator, which is pretty much how he used to defend as well, to be perfectly honest. Well, how about uh, his So I'd, uh, I'd, Neville, I'd rebuke Neville, that Neville. suggestion um, and say, let's get Gary Neville in. You know, there's a football Come analyst Gary. Uh, with good connections. You want to get the right okay. Neville brother, but let's top it all. We could have Tracy Neville, or even better than that, Neville Neville. Mm, Neville Neville. Neville Neville yes. will always be the best Neville. So um, let's go. Let's go for the top straight away. I love it when we first told Evan that um, Gary Neville and Phil Neville's dad was called Neville. It blew his mind. <laughs> <laughs> As it yeah, should. Before, before we move on, uh, put your put your put your quid. You put your five quid down now. Who is in the dugout for Wednesday's opening day against Reading? Uh, I think Lee Bullen, because yeah, we're gonna whoever we appoint, we're gonna give them a month off to do whatever they want before they <laughs> club values. Uh, I think Bullen's gonna be there too because I think there's a big legal fight to happen, and I think Chancier is gonna be busy. Uh, I don't want it to be Bullen to start with, um, but I'm I'm not upset about it being Bullen to start with. Yeah, I think I think Bolin is the only one that kind of understands Bruce's direction. I know we only brought in three players, but um, you know it's still three players, and uh, you know he's going to understand best what they've been working on uh, in in training in the off season, and uh, you know he's not going to switch things up too much. I don't think uh, to start the season, so he's probably it's it stinks that it's it's two weeks away, but um, all things considered it's probably better to stick with him than to bring in someone new with, with a whole new system and that they try to implement in two weeks. And we can only hope that Lee Bowen over the years has absorbed Carlos Carvajal's attacking tactics, Josh Lukai's defensive civility, and Steve Bruce's love of pies and be the perfect manager. <laughs> but who do we want? And hopefully not. Uh, I mean, Chris Hutton, I think, is the, is the obvious choice here. It's, Gotten promoted out of there with you know multiple teams at this point. Knows the league, um, you know, plays. You know, with Brighton certainly had a very attractive football, but also can you know adapt to the situation and, and get results. Um, I can understand. I mean, he's like I said he's not sort of looking for a Premier League job right away. He expects he have to go back down to the Championship. Um, you know, it's. If he has actually turned this down, maybe he is, you know, wants to take some time off and doesn't want a quick turnaround or doesn't want to take a, a club over two weeks before the season starts that he didn't really have a ton of input on, which seems fairly reasonable. Um, I guess we'll just see how it how it all plays out. Uh, but however it does play out... I don't think ahead. Chris Hutton's going to take the job because uh, I, th- I believe the fact that he's turned it down. So I'd like Chris Hutton yeah. to take the job too. And I think looking on Twitter after we started, uh, after we stopped um, abusing Bruce, most people wanted Chris Hutton as well in, ne- in next. Um, if you take him out of the equation, assuming the rumors are true, they has turned us down. Who's left? Like James said, that uh, list doesn't inspire any confidence whatsoever. Uh, would you go for something left field like a Carlos Caval? Not the Carlos Cavalho, but a Carlos <laughs> uh type appointment, or would you want to go for one of the championship merry-go-round appointees that is always touted for these kind of jobs? James, go for it. I, d- I just don't. I don't. I don't see the value in some of the merry-go-round roles. I mean, if you can get someone who actually has proven themselves at this level, like a David Wagner or a uh, Johanovic, um, 
then maybe uh, maybe great. But you know, both of those guys are in in new roles in Europe. I don't think you're going to prize either of them out of of jobs they've been just starting. Quite frankly, why should you know? popcorn in the kettle black you know why, why should we start going after another club's manager in, in such an aggressive way although I, I do like to think that if it was you know a manager incumbent somewhere we'd do it the right way we'd make an official approach and not be uh, a bunch of snaky underhand twats like uh, Newcastle United and Steve Bruce but um, if you if you kind of assume therefore that the majority of the list is that kind of mid-ranking bunch of monks and rowets and and so on I think I'd I'd actually look for someone who's got the proven ability to take clubs through the leagues. You know, um, I hate to say it, but there's a pedigree example across the city right now of someone who uh, who's shown that they, you can build teams, you can buy smart, and you can push them out of the division. So maybe that's the way we've got to think about it. Are you saying get Chris Wilder in? I think he'd love it. I think I, <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious to me that he would definitely, in a heartbeat, he'd want to go to his boyhood club, right? You know, he would. Uh, <laughs> He would say something along the lines of, you know, I was born only a, a few miles away from Hillsborough and, uh, you know, it's always been my dream to manage this and it would be a, an honour and uh, and unfortunately I've just got to, I've got to, out of respect, I've got to go and speak to uh, Mr. Chancellor. <laughs> I would take that just to annoy the Blades fans. Imagine that going to the Premier League and just poaching their manager. <laughs> and he says to them on the way out, I just want to work for a massive club, sorry. That would be, uh, that would be the sweetest appointment. The pigs will definitely fly if that one comes <laughs> If I could guarantee you automatic promotion, would you take Neil Warnock? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know if I'd rather take Bruce back than get Warnock. Is that bad? <laughs> uh, two more games against Neil Warnock's Cardiff City to look forward to. Uh, and Wednesday we'll be facing them in some brand new kits, which got released this week. Um, a, a lovely green away kit, which as had been rumored, and a uh, a bit of a throwback. And I say throwback now because it actually has blue and white stripes all the way around it. Um, what are your kit thoughts, fellas? I love the kit, man. I I was a little bit worried that we were going to come out with that ugly green kit for our home home strip for some reason, and it it, it made me a bit nervous. But um, definitely love the the stripes all the way around and stripes on the sleeve. Um, and they didn't do a terrible job with the green kit. I mean, it's kind of strange with the, uh, with the, what are the blocks or, or whatever you want to call them. But, um, I mean, the green with the white shorts, not awful by any means. Um, there hasn't been like a, a, a second kit that has blown me away in the last few years anyway. So it steady as she goes for me. Yeah. Something by that. There was something that was bothering me about the home kit that I couldn't quite put my uh, finger on. I think whatever mock-up they put on Fletcher, the badge was just situated too high, so it made everything look like tucked up. Uh, hopefully that'll be fixed by the time it's done. But uh, you know, it's a nice, it's a nice look. It's uh, blue and white, black. It reminds me a little bit of the uh, Children's Hospital kit with the black trim on the sleeves and the V-ish collar, which you know, the kit that I own and. And like, uh, I think the stripes are a little thinner on it than the than the children's hospital one. But I'll leave those debates to uh, the Owls Talk forums who love them so much about the proper and actual width of the stripes. Uh, I really like the green away kit. Um, I would have liked to see like a little bit of trim, so it wasn't just uh, plain green up top. But it's new. It's something different. I think it looks sharp. I don't exactly understand when they're going to wear it because I think it would still clash with any team wearing a blue kit, which is generally when they would wear their chain stripes. I guess we wear it against like Beads uh, and like Fulham, like people that play in white. But um, I I assume we'll still be seeing those uh, gray black things coming out as sort of third kits this year as well. But, uh, you know, it's it's the first away kit I've considered buying probably in uh, four or five years now. Can I just take issue with this whole um, the rollout of these kits? So sure. uh, you know, kudos for the uh, the trailer campaign Wednesday and the uh, the nice kind of James, throwback. They came to... out before the season started this year. That's all yeah, you they, can they ask came out. All right, let, let let me be more specific. Let, let me not take issue with the rollout, but let me just take issue with one specific element of the rollout, which is this suggestion that it is a nod to the early nineteen nineties. Because I don't buy that. Mm-hmm. So in the early nineteen nineties, yes, we had blue and white striped kits, but they had collars. They didn't have chuffing V-necks, and they weren't kind of sculpted. They were they were baggy, and they um, 
you know, they didn't have fancy kind of, you know, 8-bit faffing stuff going on within the stripes. They were just kind of, you know, they had some proper kind of shell suit patterns going on in there. So I'm just, I'm, I'm not quite buying it. Like as a, as a child of the 80s whose first Wednesday kit was in 1991, I, um, I'd like to see something that's a little bit more accurate. Things bring looks, back the water, said, bring back like the a, big like a, SWFC watermarks. 1990s to me. You can't literally copy just 1991's <laughs> kit. That's the problem. You have to make a slight alterations like what they've done. So whereas they had a nice little pattern on the blue in the 91 kits, which was shell super-esque, let's say, um, you can't just literally copy it. So what they've done is say, oh, well, we're doing a, a, a 90s kind of spin with the 8-bit stuff, and we've put 8-bit type thing graphics on it, which looks very similar to the 91 pattern too. Um, you know, you know what's uh, missing? It's missing the damn owl. That's what. It, if, if we if we're going to go back to the 1990s, we need to get that back in, right? Yeah, that is a classic. I see what you mean there, and that's probably what. Also, look at the positioning. So, uh, James is showing yeah, yeah. his 91 kit. Is that 91 kit you got there? Yeah, this is 1991 home. Yeah, um, uh, replete with uh, with a white collar, by the way. You know what it is? It's the badge is too big. For the little stripes, Jeff. You know, you said it's too far. Yeah, off. I think that's, you're right. Yeah, that's what it is. I think it's, it's just the, the proportionally it's off. Yeah. So in the old '91 kit, the old logo looks um, quite yes. like uh, in ratio with the size of the stripes. The new logo is naturally bigger. I think positioning's fine. Like the size of a dinner plate. Yeah. But it's it goes over it goes over a full stripe. It goes like stripe and a half almost the logo, and that looks a little bit like forced. But I'm not, we're nitpicking. I, I really like it. I think it's a great kit. And I'll Has it got too many stripes on it, though? <laughs> got too many stripes. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I mean, what's the what's the theory? Does the blue stripe have to be down the middle? Is that what everyone says? The blue stripe has to be in the middle the stripe? The blue stripe has to be in the middle stripe, yeah. That's, that's yeah. fair. That's, that's correct, at least. I, I think it looks nice. I think it's a great kit. Um, what you're basically it. saying, Paddy, is that if uh, if we're mourning the uh, cataclysm which has been the last two weeks of uh, basically pinning our hopes on a, a blithering cheat, um, we should really be happy with the fact that we've got a striped blue and white kit. I mean, yeah, and also, I mean, the, the, the tease campaign for this did not fill anyone with hope. It was pretty annoying. <laughs> and uh, most people hate most people hate tease campaigns. So when at the end of a tease campaign, that's actually something good. I think we should celebrate it. Uh, and I think most people are happy with these kits. And I like the fact that they are, that you can buy them without a sponsor. That's cool, right? Surely a sponsor would uh, usually want people to have their name on the kits they're buying. Not if the sponsor is your chairman. <laughs> the chairman is like, well, yeah, fuck, who cares? Uh, maybe he thinks that he'll uh, sell more without a sponsor in it. Let's see. Quite possibly. Well, and, and look on the bright side, it hasn't got a great big chuffing sash going diagonally across the <laughs> uh, across the shirt as well. You know what uh, Chancellor should have done? Just put fuck FFP on a big sash down the side <laughs> of his... <laughs> well, he could have like a, a, a sash that changes every week. This, this week it just could say fuck you, Bruce. <laughs> uh, perhaps he doesn't need a uh, sponsorship money because Wednesday are free and clear of FFP, maybe, based on the incredibly convoluted uh, financial reports that have finally come out. Fortunately, we have our FFP expert, James, here. So, James, explain what the hell's going on. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the short version, because I, I think um, I'll probably have to say... Do we have uh, money or not? The detailed version for an hours about stat. Um, we've always had money. The problem is being allowed to spend sure. the money, right? And the second problem with being allowed yes. to spend the money is the fact that because we spent a fair bit of money a few years ago, we, uh, we'd we been under a soft embargo because we were expected to break through the FFP uh, or the profit and sustainability um, limits when we filed our 1718 accounts. Um, amazingly, despite the fact that we were forecast to make it about a £20 million loss, uh, we delivered a £2 million profit as a result of having sold Hillsborough, which was kind of useful because we actually made a £38 million loss. So, um, you know, uh, kudos for the financial re-engineering that, uh, that got us out of that hole. So, That's a coincidence, look, isn't it? I mean, what a coincidence that we sold unbelievable, Hillsborough Unbelievable valuations, <laughs> yeah. Now, listen, um, you know, be sure that there will be further scrutiny of the valuation of that sale. Um be certain that there are definitely ethical questions to answer about the fact that we've basically sold our chair, uh, our stadium to ourselves. 
in order to get out of it. But as of right now, we have filed accounts. We have you know cleared our way uh, past the uh, the soft embargo, and so we've registered the players that we uh, we signed earlier in the summer. Um, so you know that's that's good. Uh, can we go on a massive spending spree now? In theory, we could probably spend a little bit, but not a huge amount because we're into another three-year rolling period. Um, in reality, I don't think we're going to go spending any any big bucks because you know it's um, it's just simply not sustainable. And I think we finally learned that lesson. Um, but we certainly need to also think about how we balance the books with sales at some point as well, which is a different conversation. But yeah, as of right now, it's good news for for FFP. Uh, soft embargo drops away, and uh, and Wednesday can get on with maybe making a few final changes to the squad before the start of the season. And the Middlesbrough owner will be extremely, extremely angry about all of it. So it's a win-win. Well, we, we're getting on well with the Northeast these days, at least. <laughs> Should just saw him off and let him float into the ocean. Uh, uh, if Steve Gibson does not sell uh, Riverside Stadium to himself next season, then he's clearly missing a trick. We've got all the good accounts. <laughs> Do we have any other business? Uh, preseason. Let's talk about preseason. It's been pretty good so far, right? Banging in the goals. Uh, and Against I'm, like League One and League Two sides, but right. But I mean, look at the. We put out two players in one day. Two sorry, two squads in one day, which were good enough to field in most championship games. In fact, Jos probably uh, fielded worse than that somehow in uh, some of his games. So, I don't know, I'm still feeling... Another little boost thing has given us a bit of a knock, and the, obviously the training uh, schedule will be a little bit, like, dicey now, especially if someone else comes in new. But I, I watched that Lee Bullen interview before I uh, came on this call, and I just feel a bit more positive about things. It seems like they're just... This is business as usual. People leave. Managers leave. Um, there's got to be a contingency plan in place, and Bullen's just taking it without really missing a beat, really, and just said, look, we get along with it. We've, we're taking the, the, the disciplines that Bruce and his team put in place, uh, and we're continuing that that plan, um, which I think for the near term, at least, I don't think it necessarily means we're going to be in free fall by the time Reading comes around. Uh, I just think we need something else a bit more mid to long term in place. But I think... I trust Bullen to continue whatever he's learned from Bruce with maybe a sprinkling of Carlos and Yoss and whoever else he's worked with along the way too. Can't really say further than that, can you? I mean, I think, look, you know, we, we know we've got the underpinnings of a, a reasonably good squad because it's most of the squad we've had for the last four or five years, you know, with a, with a few players that obviously we let go at the back end of last season omitted, but they were probably injured before that anyway. We've kept hold of a couple of key Key figures. Um, you know, we haven't talked about the fact that Westwood signed a new two-year contract, which is immense. Um, and by the way, the goalkeeper kit's really nice. I mean, that is um, that's something we should talk about. Um, and of course, uh, one Kieran Lee and his uh, sensational through balls in uh, in preseason as well. So you know, there are reasons to be optimistic, and I I agree with you. It's um, it's kind of it's rewarding when you hear. Um, when you hear Bullen saying what he's saying, because it's it's kind of reassuring, right? Yeah, and you'd think that the, you know, you don't want to say that these players can just sort of handle it, you know, just wind them up and let them go, because as we learned, um, under Joss, they do need some kind of tactical instructions that are consistent from game to game to actually perform. But, you know, it is a veteran experienced championship squad, including the uh, several of the players they brought in this transfer window. So you'd think they can just to a certain extent muddle through um, at least for a little bit until they figure out sort of what the longer direction of the club's going to be. I'm excited about the signings too. I mean, uh, Kadeem Harris and Moses Adebayo look like they're going to give us a bit of pace and a bit of strength and a bit of skill on the wings. Uh, which is exactly what we needed. So, and the, James alluded to earlier on. I don't want to thank Bruce for his uh, contributions in the moment, but those signings uh, that he's made are uh, what we needed. Uh, not just the three there, but the ones last season too in Iarfa. Um, 
the, the people that we need all along. And you've seen Rhodes score a couple of goals already in preseason. If he does end up staying, uh, and we have two good wingers, and we play to his uh, strengths, then that could be a good uh, thing for us too. If it, if he ends up going, I don't mind either. We've got some good, um, we've got some good uh, strikers in the backup. So we've got a big vast pool of strikers to play from, uh, and I'm not at all really concerned about the start of the season. I think where we will fall down if we don't appoint someone relatively soon is that kind of like long-term strategic plan and uh, in-game tactics that Bullen doesn't necessarily have the experience of. I, I think you're right. I mean, I, I think that's where infrastructure kicks back in again, right? You know, uh, we need to have confidence that we've got the coaching infrastructure in place and, and you alluded to it, but, you know, a couple of other names, um, and I don't remember them off the top of my head, but the, the two scouts that we brought in from Villa, um, you know, they weren't part of the uh, disputed compensation package. So let's hope that we've kept hold of them because they'll probably be critical to us in the next couple of windows. Um, Tony Strudwick as well, uh, obviously our, uh, our new fitness coach. Sounds like he's staying. Um, I think I read somewhere that, you know, he'd uh, part of his decision to come to Wednesday was because of its proximity to Worksop, that most beautiful of, uh, of Midlands towns. So, um, you know, the, 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 there are reasons to be optimistic. And I, I'm going to end on the highest note I can possibly think of right now, which is that Jeff has briefly left his couch. And in so doing, he's left a picture <laughs> visible behind him, which uh, I can only imagine is a picture of a young Jeff. But the, uh, the remarkable thing is he's absolutely clean shaven and, um, and has short hair. So uh, I'm, I'm going to ask Jeff to take a picture of said picture and tweet it out from the uh, the Isles Americas account afterwards because it's. Um, Can we zoom it, in it, on that? It doesn't look awfully Jeff-like. All right, let's zoom in. I'm That's not him. Stretching out my back, which is an incredible pain from being in a car for nine hours today. <laughs> That's not you behind your left and ear, is it, Jeff? No, it's my younger brother. Ah, see, I, I did. He looks totally different to Pat Astro. Um, but yeah. We'll definitely tweet that outcome. I think this picture here on the top right here, Jeff. I think we should just capture that and tweet it out earlier later on on the Owls Americas. James is already taking a picture. I can see his video. Oh my God, it's very uh, high high res of high res here. <laughs> yeah. This has been episode seventy of the Owls Americas Sheffield Wednesday opinion with an American accent. This is good because I don't have my notes in front of me because I'm not on my normal computer. Um, you can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamerica. We have a Facebook group at facebook.com slash owlsamericas. And you can email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. The pod on a whole bunch of different things. Apps and the like. You can listen to it there. You're probably listening to it right now, so you have an app that works. Uh, wherever you do listen to the Owls Americas, we ask that you rate in our podcast or Wednesdayites find our ramblings. Evan has dropped off, but he is on Twitter at Ohio Owl. James is on Twitter at Manhattan Owl. James, uh, how many international flights are you taking before the Reading game? Uh, only the one international flight, but I do have to go to the West Coast before I go back to, uh, to the UK. But then I will be at the Reading game. So, you know, ipso facto. If it starts getting really bad, just make sure you have a Manchester United kit to uh, change into. What, to uh, to to ingratiate myself to Yapstam? He's still there, right? There was a, there was a few years ago, Like I think the club, Reading, actually, I said, asked specifically for their fans not to wear Manchester United shirts <laughs> for the game because it was like a joke that uh, Reading was, uh, Manchester United was like the second club for every single one of their fans. I think I'm on record as uh, as having uh, just explained how much I love Reading Town Centre as well. So obviously I'm thoroughly, thoroughly looking forward to being there. Patty is on Twitter at Patty A. Jones and at New York Owls. Patty, how excited are you? We're just two weeks away from our first meetup of the year. Um, I'm a little... Um... I wouldn't say I'm excited. I'm a little intrepid because I've been trying to like uh, lose weight during off season, Jeff, and I haven't been. Um, mm. How's that going? Uh, not great, but um, better than it would be if I was drinking every Saturday morning at ten a.m. in the morning. Um, so I feel like and the bacon sandwiches don't help. No, I've got two weeks basically to lose the weight I thought I would mm. lose in summer, um, and it's probably not going to work, is it? And I'll back in the whole habit of going down to Legends at ten a.m. and 
eating bacon and drinking beer, and I'll be perennially fat. But not as fat as Steve Bruce. Just as a final weather, thing, you can you just probably sit outside and uh, sweat it off. <laughs> hmm? they, they photoshopped his like official announcement picture. And by the way, Paddy, earlier on you said that they'd had like a media press conference and shit. They didn't. They just released a statement and they put a doctored picture out where he looked like he had a very thin, uh, thin tummy. And a neck too. I saw they, they put yeah. a neck on for his. They photoshopped this picture, which is like some kind of hand. Actually, I think I might have used that face app thing that everyone's using at the moment. These are face up thing on Steve Bruce. I mean, look thin and a little bit older, but still kind of cooler than he actually is. Uh, and they gave him a neck and less of a belly. It's, uh, aren't it's they uh, aren't they abroad for that Premier League tournament right now? They are like the entire Newcastle squad. He's just like here, but the entire team's in like Abu Dhabi or something. China, yeah, probably. China, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I'm Jeffrey Paternostro. I am back in Connecticut. We'll see you next week.